on that one, an organic calm openness. All right, let's do it. We're done. It has begun. So how come you're not just going to play the drum? Just keep it as a backbeat going on. I mean, I can put some hand drum in the backbeat. We could do that. I just don't know how the uh, recording would take it as far as like the transcribing. Excellent. Well, good AI. It's a good AI. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's not doing any lyrics. So therefore, the lyrics are all, all us. But it gives us, you know, gives us some content. In fact, I actually just turned off. I had a little bit of music, but I was thinking the same thing because we can actually add a backbeat in. We'll add it in later. We'll remix the remix. I actually made some music today, dude. I need to send it to you. I did some like, uh, it was like chill. It was like chill step, like music. There's just me kind of singing and playing guitar and adding some beats to it, some beatboxing over it. But uh, yeah, it turned out pretty good. I'll have to send it to you, dude. But yeah, yeah. We'll put the link in the description. Yeah, we can do that. Totally. Totally. We'll do that. Yeah. Get that all set up. Yeah. A little fine tuning with it, but yeah, it's, it was good. It's been a very, it's been a very creative day. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think. What's that think, like for you though, to begin a, a two week stint? So if we have 52 weeks in a year, then yeah. this, is, this is a hundredth of your year, essentially. Mm. What does it feel mm. like to have an open canvas for a hundredth of your year? I feel relaxed, but I feel like I've been productive into that relaxation. Like, for example, I had the massage today, yesterday, I got some art done. Um, and it's not about getting things done, but it was really about more listening to myself. That's why I took the two weeks. I was like, I need it. And I've been, you know, working a year straight overtime, crazy hours. And it's, it's a little, it's a little unnerving because I'm used to that routine, but at the same time, my body is really ready for it. And as far as my creative juices are concerned, they're just ecstatic. So it's like every little project, like even cooking food, like, yeah, or taking that step and like every little thing is I can like really savor it instead of like going through kind of the monotony and kind of the autopilot. So I feel, feel very present, very present. And it's, uh, it's going really well and there's still a lot of time left. So that's a, that's a good thing. So, but I think that's the kind of the beauty of having a little bit of a regiment, you know, it, it allows you to, um, understand that when you have this time, when you have this free time, you can really maximize it and make the most of it. Not that you have to get things done, but you, it's easier to find out what you want and finding out what you want, you, you do more things. And by doing more things, you might actually be more happy. You know, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I think it's good, but I don't need to work, you know, 70 hours a week to figure that out anymore. <laughs> so isn't it interesting though, that the, the contrasts, isn't that what gives you your clarity of what you do Absolutely. want, you know, what you don't want? And then, oh, cool. What's the opposite? <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, I mean, you get someone that gets out of prison or you get, it's that you have to, you kind of have to go through that. If you have someone that's like, you know, not really working and, you know, maybe they're, maybe they have money already, trust fund kid, who knows? But let's say they, they don't and you get into that same scenario and you have the same amount of time. It's understanding, I think, the value of having that time, you know? It's just like if you had, if let's say, for example, you like, I, I think about this sometimes, this is a fundamental practice, especially when I'm, you know, either getting down on myself or I'm feeling like, woe is me and like, oh, I don't have enough, you know, it's kind of a gratitude practice. And so I think, okay, if I was in, if I was an old man dying in a, in a hospital bed and I, you know, I'm just about to breathe my last breath 
and there's all these things I wanted to do. And all of a sudden I'm transported into this body I have right now. Like, what would I do? You know, it's just like, wait, wait. I, oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what you would be doing. Be like, woo. And then you'd be like, woo, let's go. Let's go have fun. Let's go party. Let's go do some shit. Let's learn some shit, you know? And like that always, that always makes me feel better. Cause I'm like, okay. And, and it may be a little morbid that I have to take to that process of death, but I mean, we're all going to that process. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's part of acknowledging it. And uh, I think, uh, allowing yourself to be like, Hey, you know, there's other people that would, you know, they would kill to have what I have. And that's really, it's literally like putting that into your body. And, you know, I, it's a, it's a practice that helps me out a lot. And I really dig it. I dig it. I dig it. I love it. I love that you go to that clear endpoint for this physical existence. Right. Cause I mean, you know, I, I think about what would happen if I no longer had a memory, you know, what if I actually had Alzheimer's? Well, I love that you're taking it all the way to death because that realization that this existence that we have, no matter how many other existences exist, whether you believe that or not, you know, this yeah. one is for what it is. And to look it in the face and say, wow, this yeah. could be over, right? Or what if I was a quadriplegic and, you know, I, I no longer yeah. can just get up by myself, right? Like, you go to yeah. these kernels that are, um, you know, for, for us being young and healthy and fit and things yeah. of that nature, they're, they're very extreme. But for many, many, many people, it's a daily reality, you know, waking up and it's like, oh, my back, right? And it's like, that happens yeah. for two reasons. Either you're doing stuff consistently that is like working the muscles in your back or like tweaking your back, which is kind of like the work that you're doing, I'd imagine. Or... It's something that is yeah. now become a part of you. It's part of your identity. And so it's like, no, 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 I have a back problem. And so whether that problem goes up or down, if you keep acknowledging, you know, if, if I were to keep acknowledging that as a problem, I broke my heel in three places about 15 years ago. Yeah. I used to talk about it a lot. I used to talk about it when I was hiking. I used to talk about it when I would snowboard. Um, after drinking, you know, I'd feel it the next day. And I still do every once in a while, but I just don't talk about yeah. it anymore. And I feel it like a hundredth as much. <laughs> well, that's, I think it's an interesting thing you bring that up. I always think about like in our culture, we like to talk about our troubles a lot more, but we never talk about our like the positivity. For someone like someone breaks their arm, right? You get a cast and it's like, oh, hey man, you want to sign my cast? I broke my arm. It's like, it's like a badge of honor, you know? Yeah. And I think there's some traffic warrior stuff that's put into that which is good like oh i survived the saber tooth tiger but at the same time it can be this you know grumble grumble like oh blah, 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 woes me and it, i think when you send that energy there it's kind of like a placebo effect you know if you don't allow yourself to emotionally physically spiritually move on from stuff especially physical trauma it, it has a, it has a knack for sticking around and i kind of i kind of realized that myself as well anything that's like really bothering you like if it's not, you shouldn't ignore it. Like if you're bleeding out, go to the hospital. But if you've, you know, passed the healing process and you've passed all these things and there's really not much more to do other than kind of move on with your life. And if you keep bringing that back in, it's going to linger, you know, it's, it's definitely going to linger, you know? So yeah, man, glad your ankles, uh, doing a hundred percent, hundred percent. That's great. <laughs> Love it.
<laughs> well, I mean, you know what they say that, you know, you break a bone and it's actually where it heals and it's the strongest. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That might be true on a technicality level, right? It might be physically stronger, but oftentimes the sensory experience is still more sensitive in that area from my little personal experience here. Yeah. So again, focus equals feeling, right? Whatever yeah. we put our attention on, energy flows where attention goes. I mean, yeah. there's all these cliches for a reason, you know, as, as we were just discussing on, on some of our prior episodes, thinking about things like how we fit into this space-time reality, well, mm. we are the sensory experience of it. And so if the mindset is focused on like, oh, this arm is just bothering me so much, and oh, I can't stand my work, and damn it, my boss sucks, and you know, I, I can't wait till I get home so I get my escape, right? Not, not yeah. a celebration, right? Like we're doing, we're smiling, we're enjoying it, yeah. Yeah. you know? But it's like, I need it, I need to get away. And so talk about, yeah, dude, talk about that in, in relationship to, you know, you, you do some physically enduring work, but also some mentally challenging work. And so for you to take this hundredth of your year off and actually free yeah. yourself up from that. And then on day one or day two, get a massage, dude, talk about this. What does this feel like? What is it that you think about? What do you focus on? Talk about vibration. I think when you, so for me, kind of a backstory for people that don't know, I am an electrician. Um, I work on a certain job site. It's a dinner. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's a couple things. A lot of standing, a lot of standing. So hard on the legs and the back. Um, anyone who knows any is a physical therapist or knows any like anatomy, like they know that standing on concrete in work boots, even with orthotics and the best shoes you can buy and a standing pad, like you're still gonna, you know, find some trouble in doing that for like 10 hours a day and same posture, you know, and I mean, I move, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things that's, it's just, it's just slowly going to break you down. And then now you also have extremely loud high decibel. And I'm not just talking the ears. You have stuff that's like you can feel it in your body. And even though you have like the hearing protection for it, that stuff's still hitting you. Um, and then you got, you know, people's attitude. Um, and then there's also actual dangerous from work. Like you can die, like being around like super high voltages and things like that. You have to be careful. So you're always like on awareness. And there's a sense of um, kind of the sense of surrealness. You're like, whoa, I'm really here to do stuff. But you kind of fold all that in one thing. and. It, I always used to, I have nothing but respect for tradespeople because I'm doing a tradesman now. And I remember my stepdad coming home just extremely tired and worn out. I was like, God, he's just got a bad attitude. And I'm just like, now that I do it, I, you know, come home, extremely tired, exhausted. Like I get it, you know, and I get why the guys are like, it's the weekend, let's party, let's like fucking, <laughs> but in that practice though, it's also, it's also an experiment. So I have my days where, you know, go home, go to bed, you know, have my little, uh, you know, my beer and then sit in front of the, you know, the magic screen and watch someone else's reality and like get out of my own head. But the thing is, it doesn't, it doesn't make me happy. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hit that fulfilling spot because I'm basically dancing around. Like I don't feel well, my body hurts and I'm not exactly enjoying myself doing this. So how do I change it? And that's where routine comes into play for me. And this is what I do. For example, first thing I do, 
I get up in the morning and my, like, I have everything set, like it's organized. So I'm like, I know that stuff's there. So, you know, hierarchy of needs. I'm like, okay, these needs are met. Boom, done. So then I get in my car. And one of the great things about this job that I was working on, there's a beautiful drive. I'm not going to say where, but it's a beautiful drive. And the sun will come up. It's a beautiful sunrise. And I get about an hour and like 20 minutes of watching this beautiful sunrise. So I'll do a little meditation in the car. Obviously, waking meditation. My eyes are open <laughs> because I don't want to die. Um, but I also, you know, I will do personal journals, logs. I listen to music. I'll get amped up. I basically, whatever it's going to take for me to feel centered and me to get that positivity, whether it's a dopamine hit, to do that, I will do that. A cup of coffee in the morning, bulletproof coffee, whatever. I will do that. So I have my hour and 20 minutes to sit there and be like, okay, what's going on? And the goal is to get to that job site and literally be not ready to go, but ready to go for myself and have that energy and be excited and be happy. And like, then I can like, you know, I'll see guys in the parking lot, we'll walk into the job site and they're already feeding off that positive energy. And it's this thing that just keeps like growing and growing and growing. Um, one of the things we do on the job site, we do this thing called stretch and flex. And I normally, it's about like 50 to a hundred guys. And I normally lead it and you call out the different stretches, but What's interesting, when I go through that like hour and 20 minute process in the car, and then I get to the job site, I'm talking with the guys, we're bullshitting back and forth, and we get to stretch and flex, it's like I bring that energy in, and all of a sudden you see like 50 to 100 guys. Now, I'm not changing their whole paradigm, I'm not changing their lives, but I'm either making them laugh, remember that there are some good vibes out there, and what's amazing about that is that it spreads itself out, and I notice like guys will be like, hey, how's it going, even if it's just you know, super shitty day, it's hard work, just having that, that little bit, that little push, it's just, uh, it's like paying it forward, you know, and it just keeps coming back and coming back, and so there's that, and then, so now I'm at work, and I'm working, and I'm doing the stuff, and sometimes it's super stimulating, and sometimes it's repetitive, and when it gets repetitive, that's when kind of the, I think the brain games come into play, because the brain's going to be like, we want to get out of here, and we want to go be on a beach in Jamaica, and we want to, you know, you know, have a chick in each arm and, you know, a coconut with a rum in it, whatever. But I mean, so the brain starts going there, but that's the thing. That's where you're trying to step outside of yourself. So what I do is like, I'll sing. And that's the beautiful thing. It's so loud in there. I can sing it like the top of my lungs or beatbox. But what's crazy about it is I've literally been working with guys that sing as well. So we'll start singing together, like chanting together. We'll start doing like, I got one guy that does voices and we'll beatbox together. It's like, it's crazy. Like, and these people, these people come out of the woodwork, you know, I'll be working with the guy for like eight hours and we'll, we're having the greatest time and we're getting paid. So if you can change your work into something fun, make it a hangout, if you can change that perspective and you can have that positive energy flow and that dopamine and serotonin, you can actually like do stuff like that. You can work 60 hours per week. You can, you can do like that mentally and physically enduring stuff, you know? And then I get done at the end of the day and I'm happy. My, the guys and I are joking around and then I get back in my car, I drive home, I'm super jazzed up. And then it's like, oh, hey, I, you know, I only have two hours before I got to go to bed, super short day, but I'm like, okay, I'm so stoked. I'm going to go do my yoga. I'm going to do my dinner. I'm going to go back to bed and I'm going to like, oh, I feel great. And that's the whole, I think that's the whole thing. No matter what you're doing, I mean, we all have the thing that we want to do, you know, but if you don't get to do it, at least find that little bit of joy and find that happiness and find that way to just, just squeeze a little bit out, you know, because I think it makes it just, I literally went from being like depressed to being like excited. And once you get excited, that energy starts coming back. And it's like, I mean, if you talk about like cells, like 
when you're you're depressed and whatnot, you're not getting dopamine and serotonin. I don't exactly know where that fits into like actual cell development, but I know it affects it in some way. And I know there's some biophysicists out there that could probably back me up on it. But if you think about your mitochondria, which are like the powerhouses of the cell, if you're not feeling good, you're not going to want to work out. And if you're not working out, your mitochondria aren't running as efficiently and your cells aren't running as efficiently. So you're not able to have that same amount of energy when you work a 10 hour day, you know, and you're not, your brain's not going to process stuff. So it's kind of like this whole encompassing thing that affects every like part of the body, you know? And I find that, you know, finding that happy thought, that happy place in the midst of all that chaos and all that, you know, humdrum work, it's like, it's, it's such a life changer, you know? And so now when it comes to, and I have this time off and I'm coming into this, it's like one, I'm more focused and I'm more aware, but I'm also super grateful and happy to have like these small little bits, like sitting and talking to you, just having some chocolate before saying, or, you know, putting the good vibes out with my hand drum and getting them soft. I mean, it's, it's, it's super cool. So yeah, yeah, it's good, dude. It's really good. Thanks for asking. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I approve this message. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if anyone's going to listen to this, that's, that's what I would take away from it. You know, we all are going to work jobs. We're all going to do things that we don't want to do. Make a game out of it. Life is play. And if you can make it play, then I think you're going to have a lot better time. I, I love that. What's coming up for me so strongly is what's the difference between work and play? Exactly. <laughs> It's all up here. It's perspective. Like yeah. one person would look at Damian Lillard and be like, dude, that is so much work, right? Yeah. You get up and you're in the gym twice a day, maybe three times a day. You get out there, you bust your ass on the floor, you run, you're diving, you're passing, you're, you're you know, constantly being counted on, God, it's so much work. And yet I'll bet if you ask him, he's just like, I love this. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it he loves it you know that's yeah that's yeah the, yeah the body connection and like the human connection that connection is so important and finding it any any way you can do it and then you, you start to re-regulate like your neurochemistry and once you can you can do that and you understand that like it's your your thoughts will affect your neurochemistry which will affect your physiology and the physiology like it's all it's it's all connected right we know that and going through those patterns, you can, you can elevate yourself, you know, you can really elevate yourself or at least start to be able to elevate yourself. But it's, it was a definite lesson for oh. me to go ahead. Yeah. Can you, can you expound upon that a little bit? Like you said, you used to be, you know, pretty depressed in yeah. what you're doing. Oh yeah. You know, you've found empowering meaning here you found play you found fun you found the things that you moved towards and nothing shifted except you shifted exactly and you started to be yourself enjoying yourself with song with beatboxing with voices with stretching with creating yeah. community with diving deep with the people that you're around instead of looking at somebody as just like that's just some other human whatever you yeah. take interest and you're interested in them. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah, totally. Um, oh man, it's so many, so many different topics, but it's all, it's all so encompassing. Um, whew, I think, I think like with depression, right? So I've been reading, um, God, what is it? It's like wild. What is the book? Oh, I left it in the other room, but there is a book that talks about running and, 
The Spark. It's called Spark. Spark. Yeah, it's a great book. Oh, God, I should quote the person that wrote it. But I've read it a couple times. So one of the things that stuck out for me, they're talking about cortisol in the brain. And I, I reread this. Like, I read it before, but I reread it. You know, I was sitting there on the pot, and I read it, and just like, oh, lightning bolt, flux capacitor moment. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I read this, this, little, this little paragraph, and all it talks about is how cortisol basically takes your brain and it doesn't allow your neurons to fire and communicate with each other because it shortens. I think it's the axons or the dendrites, whatever part communicates, they can't touch anymore. It shortens them. And cortisol, the more cortisol you keep dumping in there, you will have such a hard time being able to get that dopamine and serotonin and neuropinephrine, get those neurotransmitters that make you feel good. Because I mean, the brain's all drugs. It's all drugs. And what's interesting, our thoughts can affect those drugs. You, your thoughts can affect like, how that is released and your patterns and your, you know, how you're, you know, what you're doing with your physiology, how you're moving your body, if you're moving your body, you know? And, um, so I read that and I realized that I had kind of through the process of, you know, me trying to connect and taking these little baby steps forward, I was kind of bridging that, that gap. And I was allowing like neurogenesis to occur and I was allowing the dopamine and serotonin and neuropinephrine and these transmitters to flow through um, just by what I was doing on a small scale, you know, and you know, we talk, you talk, you said about work and play and it's all in here. I think, I think everything happens all in here. Um, and we're going to get stimuli, you know, that's good and that's bad in life. It's life, you know, nature versus nurture. But when you start to realize that it's all taking place in your head, that's, it's, it's such a trip because you realize you have so much more control and that feeling of powerlessness really gets toned down or goes away because I remember when I, when I got into this, I got into this job for um, different reasons. It wasn't that I want to go do this. It's like, no, this is a necessary thing. I have to do this, you know? And I grinded my way through it. I got in, I did a good job and I, I got to stay on this job set for a long time because I worked my butt off, but I wasn't, I wasn't really happy. I was kind of like coasting and I was kind of like hiding from myself and hiding from these deep, dark feelings. And, the only way to really process that stuff is to acknowledge it and, you know, take baby steps, find a small win for the day. You know, like I forget who it is. There's like this, I don't know if it's a corporal or Marine or who the guy is. He's wearing like full garb, military garb. And he's giving a speech to this college. It might be West Point, but he's like, at the, at the very least, make your bed, make your bed every day. Cause even if it's a shitty day, you'll come home and your bed's made, you know, have those, had that little thing, had that little fucking thing that little coffee that you want to have, that little thing that you have, that little spark that gets you like jazzed up, you know, because I think it's a, it's a foundation to really kind of build yourself upon these practices and these habits, you know, and it, I know, and everybody talks about like, Oh yeah, you gotta have, you know, you gotta do this. You gotta have these habits. And then these are the habits, habits of a champion and blah, blah, blah. And I think just, just do what feels right and do what feels good in your heart. And I think if you can take some time and do that, I think that, that makes such, such a huge difference. Like for me in the job, one of the things, one of the things I love, I love people. I have loved people since I was a little kid. My mom quotes me as saying, I, I don't remember this, but I was like two years old and I would literally wander over to when the kids are getting off the bus and I'd go, hello, my friends. Hello, my friends. Hello. My <laughs> like, I love people. I love people. I love listening to people. I love talking to people. I love learning about them. And so a lot of the guys that I work with, I mean, I could be working on a machine with a guy for like, two weeks and we're working 10 hour days, like side to side. Right. Yeah. And 
Like we're literally just like, it's really intimate. So it's like, of course people start talking about stuff, but it's really easy to be like, oh, no, no, Donald Trump, Obama, oh, coronavirus, and talk about like what's on, you know, basically it basically becomes a CNN bulletin. I don't watch that crap. I just, <laughs> I like this. I was like, I, I'll literally be like, what's your favorite color? And they're like, huh? I'm like, what's your favorite food? You know, if you had to chop off your arms or legs, like I start like asking all these weird questions because you could find out so much about people just by asking where it's like, it's like when you go on a first date, right? And you're basically like trying to dig and figure out stuff, you know? And what's amazing. It's like, I've had full on cries with guys. We've had full on like laughs or like we're on the floor and we're probably not supposed to be, but we're just crying laughing because stuff is so funny. And it's like the humanity comes back and we realize that like we're brothers, we're brothers and sisters and we work together and like, we are one, we're part of the same thing and we all have our problems, you know? And like, I've had guys tell me their deep, dark secrets and I've spilled some of mine and I'll probably never see these people again. But to have that connection in that moment, especially when you're, you know, you spend most of your day in this one area, I'm basically inside a concrete, you know, kind of prison, you know? And I'm, I, I make the money, but it's like, there's a sacrifice. And so, like I said, to find that little ray of hope, that little ray of sunshine in there, because there's days in the wintertime, you go in and it's dark and you come out and it's dark. And the only light you see is like just, you know, electrical lights that are up in the ceiling, you know, flickering on and off X amount of times per second that you can't even see it. So I think a little bit will definitely go a long way, you know? Um, but yeah, I think um, too, like you going back to kind of the depressive stuff, when you talk to people and I feel like when you give of yourself, my mom always says this stuff. When you give it yourself, you know, blah, 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 you'll feel so much better. And the thing is, it's true though. Like I would sit there and just listen to these guys and listen to them talk. But that was, what was so cool is there's so many interesting things that you can find out about a person and you can just let it fly and let it ride. And next thing you know, it's like, I had some guy that was super right wing and, you know, Jesus Christ is the answer. And, you know, is going to fill up his Ford truck with diesel. And we were talking about string theory and the cosmos. <laughs> And all this wonderful stuff because we, you know, we took the time, you know, to actually have a real connection. And, you know, that's, that's, and that's what's super cool. And that was something that I was so worried about, like going into this industry, because it's a lot of right wing and I'm pretty left wing. I'm pretty liberal. And I got my thoughts and opinions and I thought all that stuff would clash. And I, I'm pleasantly surprised, like, like what happens when you take the time to, you know, not just get to know yourself, but get to know other people. And then through that process, you really get to know yourself. And then you also, you know, you forget about the pains of your existence when you can kind of help someone else through theirs. And it's like, I, and it goes back to like tribalism too, because we're tribal people. You know, I, I got my hair, you know, braided, you know, by a friend yesterday and we're sitting on the park having a picnic and I got my hair braided and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And it's like, we don't have that interaction anymore. We don't have that type of touch in our society anymore. Cause I mean, all prime, even like we consider the lower, you know, primate species, they still get up in the morning and they all groom each other. They still take care of each other on a basic animal need. Um, which is, which is like, okay, so why aren't we doing that? And I think like when you're in a scenario, like I am where you're working that much and you're in a place, it's not exactly the best. Remembering those types of things and bringing back that humanity, that, that intimacy, that sense of tribalism, and it's like animalistic too, like this sense of togetherness. It's just like, I don't know. I think it just builds you up and it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be genetic. So I, 
connect, 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 you know, connect as much as you can. If you feel depressed, connect, 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 you know, send the, you know, send that stuff out there. Your brain connects and you feel better. So send your stuff out there and connect, whether it's art, whether it's religion, traveling, talking, podcasts, whatever, cooking food, whatever it is, just connect. And I, I really think that that's, uh, that's honestly big thing for me. 2020 connect, you know, as we connect over zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Trapping through space time instantly. Dude. I love that. There's, there's so much, there's so much packed in that. That was so you've lived a lot of emotional life to be able to consolidate things that succinctly and that clearly. Sometimes I feel that like having a platform like this allows it to kind of just spill out because as I'm talking, it's literally bubbling up in my brain and it's all connecting. So thank you for the platform. I mean, this is a sense of tribalism and community in itself, you know, intimacy, man. You know, this is great. This is, this is great. And so is chocolate. Mm. (laughs) The health benefits of chocolate, like sand sugar, right? The actual cacao is mm-hmm. tremendous oh yeah absolutely food yeah like, i'd uh, i'd love to get some raw i'd love to get some raw cacao do that mm. Mm. yeah so mm. um you mentioned a couple things in here right go for it crying mm-hmm. and laughing uh mm-hmm. cnn bulletin as opposed to asking questions first yeah. date mindset you know, uh, you go in in the dark, you leave in the dark. Um, you know, when you're feeling depressed, connect. I love that. It's so powerful. Now, yeah. how would you take it further then? If you're really feeling depressed, by definition, you're not connecting, right? You're not connected to yourself. You're not connected yeah. to other people or else we're not depressed. Like it's, it's causing yeah. relationship. So how would you, how do you, when it feels beyond connection, when it feels apathetic, when it feels like it doesn't matter or I don't matter or something like that. I mean, you talk about your family, you know, your dad teaches you to find those happy thoughts. Your mom's saying, you know, you get what you give. Like you've got a great family. I lucked out. I lucked out. I, you know, and I've, I've known people that don't have that same setup and have gone through harder things than I have. And, you know, I mean, I've done therapy in the past and it's helped a little bit. Um, for me, my stuff is more movement based. I have to take more action and me sometimes talking to people is good, but also doing that more positive, you know, side of it and going through like actually helping other people and connecting. But I'm not saying that um, this is something like, especially with depression, it's very serious and it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly. And I mean, we should look at it for the science that it is. If you're, if you're not able to make those connections in your brain based on your chemistry, you know, it may be a good idea to go talk to someone. It may be a good idea to go, you know, potentially take some medicine for that stuff. Now what that medicine is, I'm not a doctor. That's not my say, but I think you really have to listen to yourself. Like if you're really trying to get through this and you're doing all that stuff and you're trying all these different things and you're branching out and you're still not having you know, any luck with it, I would definitely go talk to a professional about that. And I wouldn't just go talk to one professional. I would talk to lots of professionals and branch out from there. You know, don't, but what if you don't feel like you want to talk to a bunch of people. Well, I, you have to, like, you got to keep trying, like you have to, but you're talking to someone that's like, I'm not going to give up. Like I won't, I do not give up ever. 
do not give up. I might put a project off for a while, you know, but eventually I'll come back to it. I'll get it done, you know, but I don't give up and you can't give up. You can't give up on yourself. You can't. But there's you, a difference between giving up on a project or a yeah. relationship or something like that and giving up on yourself. How's it different? Well, because giving up on yourself is an internal thing. I, I feel like I'm not worth it, right? That's like depression. Blame being like, well, you pissed me off. You did this. I, I'm mad at you because of fill in the blank, right? It's external. And so yeah. you're not actually like that. I wouldn't call that depression. It's usually showing up as different kinds of emotional states like anger, frustration, um, you know, being upset, being peeved, right? Being flustered, like whatever. <laughs> and by the way, pattern interrupts, right? It, when, you, when you're there, at least for me, when I get in those states, because I do, we all do. But yeah. What you brought up earlier is really important, is that developing the chemistry inside of us, right? So that connection between the brain and the heart when we're in alignment and we have coherence, when our waves are actually going together, they double in their size, they double in their amplitude. And the heart and the yep. head, they actually, we can measure this stuff very easily now. And you can see when you're in alignment, when you're not. And so when you're out of alignment, it's like, okay, this is mechanical, it's material, it's protective. You know, this is open, this is connective, this is, you know, oneness, this is, this is all of it, right? And so, this is our filtering mechanism for this. I feel you. I feel you. Does that totally do you make sense at all? Uh, because what I hear you I say do relate. is that, um, you know, if you're depressed and your chemicals aren't working right, like then, you know, by, okay, what is placebo and what is not, right? From my, my perspective is the mind is the, the tool that we have to shape yeah our reality, not to create everything around us necessarily, but to shape how we view it, how we filter it. Yeah. Right. And so if I'm, you know, let's call it clinically depressed, meaning I have uh, consistently been thinking negatively and feeling a disconnection between my heart, that oneness that actually has that drive to connect, that desire to be in community, that desire to hop on a Zoom call and, you know, hang out or go to yeah. the forest or go play basketball or go to work or like whatever dynamic it is right that's involving other people we don't do anything in isolation for our whole lives and find fulfillment i don't think so at least maybe it's possible but you know it's going it, like a meditative state is, is drawing that connection to the head and the heart so that there's a there's a continuity there's a string that goes up through us right but then it's actually the act of coming together yeah. It's the act of participating. It could be your cat, your dog. It could be, you know, a bird outside and yeah. saying, wow, that's beautiful. It's finding something to appreciate, something that goes up in value. Yeah. So I guess the, the premise here is when somebody's at that super low state, right? Like what are some of your activation strategies, you know, to, to actually move through it? Well, I mean... Oh man, this, I, this is something, oh man. So, so for me, for example, I'm very blessed, good family, good parents, good neighborhoods. I grew up in the ghetto a little bit, but like, you know, I'm, I'm very well off first world country, first world problems. Like 
I'm very lucky. So my depression compared to somebody else, I mean, it's, that's my own personal journey and I've gone through it, but I know there's people that have gone through worse. I have friends that have had horrific Pause. childhood. Go Pause. ahead. There's a big, big distinction here. I, I hear this a lot and I have a different take. Are you willing to hear it? Go for it. Okay. So, you know, why would I eat food if there's somebody starving? Everyone's emotions are completely valid to them. And so it doesn't actually matter the experiences. You know, one person could get their legs blown off, right? Yeah. But again, if they're choosing that perspective of joy and happiness and appreciation, then they're not going to live there in a state of anger and frustration and hostility because they found an empowering meaning. Right? Oh, I, so I guess my point here is just don't downplay what it is that you've experienced because I'm not, they, I'm not trying to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm not trying to downplay that. But what I am saying is because if you're asking me about depression, I have to put, I have to add in the fact that there are other precursors in there. So because I've had, so we're talking about nature versus nurture here. If I, so they've shown that fetuses that grow up in like a loving environment, you know, babies, the children that grow up in a loving environment, there's different brain development, right? And so if someone has a different environment, that's going to be different, you know, brain development. And you can actually go through mathematical models, going through like behavioral biology and psychology and say, these people are statistically more likely to do this. These people are statistically more likely to do that. It is a numbers game, you know, and it goes all the way down to like basic biology. And so if you have someone that, actually has a really hard time processing like dopamine serotonin like has a really hard time doing that they might have a tougher time and so for me to say that you know based on my physiology and what i've been through this is how you should try to do it it's like my thing is like it's a guideline that worked for me based on my circumstances i understand that people's circumstances are different they could try what i went through but it may take more and it may take less i don't know and there's like, and that's, it's such, I mean, we could sit here and talk about like neurochemistry because it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I've listened to a couple of lectures. God, I forget the guy's name. I should quote his name, but it's on MIT. We, it's an MI, I'm not sorry, not, it's not MIT. It's, uh, it's Stanford. It's at Stanford. And he's doing um, these lectures on behavioral biology. And it's absolutely fascinating because you can literally go and look at individual genes and you can say, you know, this person has a higher statistical likelihood for this or that, or this is how society's developing. Like it's, it's so complicated. And so I guess I wasn't trying to say that to dumb, you know, to say that my experience is lesser than somebody else's. It's just that sometimes the parameters are different and I, I'm really, I try to be careful. I'm not trying to say that a one size fits all, you know, I just, all I have is my personal experience and I'm, I'm just simply sharing that. And if somebody gravitates towards that or gets something from it, Great. And also, it's also me allowing myself to put all my thoughts in an organizational pattern so I can actually better understand myself as well. I love that. And I get what you're saying. Um, it, it's, it's powerful. It's, it's important to understand that we're all in our own vessels. We're all yeah. interpreters. And, you know, I, my point was just that I, I guess I hear it pretty frequently that you know, people say, well, you know, someone else has it worse. And that as an exercise of gratitude and appreciation is brilliant. That's what you do when you say like, what if I'm 80 years old? And I, I'm, I've got six hours to live. And then I wake up and I'm in my body and I'm in my thirties and I'm youthful and fit and able and like 
wow, like you get riveted, you get excited. But now, what if you were 80 years old and you had six hours to live? Couldn't you still find those same feelings? That's the practice. You start, <laughs> you start getting into the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you know, the Bordo, Bordo Tordal. Tordal I, I can't say it right, but yeah, it's about preparing for that. And because one day we will. And it's like, if you could enjoy those six hours, like it's Christmas Day or, you know, six days. Like it's Christmas Day every day or whatever fits your fancy, you know. If you can do that, then you've you've won the game of life, my friend. I really think you have. I really think you've like figured it out, you know. And it won't matter if it's a simulation. It won't matter if it's the end. It won't matter if you go to heaven. Whatever you're into, like if you can do that, I really think you've won this game. I really think that you've mastered that shit. And kudos to you. And that's that's a goal of mine. Man. I love it. This is why we call it a practice though, right? Because, you know, there's no such thing as, as perfection, like being in a state where there's no growth, there's no desire, there's nothing that's, you know, could be better or expanded or fun or, or that you're curious about or like, no, we, we can be there, but like, we don't stay there. We're humaning. Yeah. <laughs> so that dovetails perfectly into something that I know you wanted to talk about. Simulation yeah. theory. Oh. Oh God. Yeah, totally. Totally. Oh man. You know, I just, uh, I just, uh, what is it? I just, I love, I'm a big fan of Duncan Trussell. Um, big fan of Duncan Trussell. Love his, like, love his talk, especially with Joe Rogan. Like all this shit's great. And he really gets into the simulation theory, but he has this new show on Netflix and it's called the midnight gospel. Watch the first episode. It's basically, you know, this guy, like this guy is living in this like higher dimensional plane of existence he puts his consciousness inside this computer. He literally puts his head in this thing that looks like a vagina. And then he's transported. He downloads his consciousness into this simulation. He's got millions of simulations and he puts his head in there and he goes. And so he goes through the simulation. He's like talking to the president in the simulation of the zombie apocalypse and basically going through and they're having this very philosophical talk about, you know, life. They start talking about opioids and why, why you should legalize marijuana anyway. But go back into simulation, the simulation theory is, it's an interesting concept thought to think that this is kind of a video game. And the idea that you are existing inside something that was created by something else is a very, is a very fascinating thought. Um, I mean, many different reasons. Um, but it's something that the more I think about it, the more it definitely intrigues me. Cause when you start, I don't, I watched, um, oh, I forget the guy's name. It's a physicist. And he had a talk on black holes and basically how black holes are kind of, you know, breaking the laws of nature a little bit. And I don't know if Hawking radiation helps explain that, but in science, energy can never be, um, can never be created or destroyed. It just transfers states. And with black holes, essentially, it's like once that stuff gets sucked inside, it's basically gone, you know? And then the question is, where does it go? What's on the other side? And it's essentially this thing that we can't get through. It's a barrier that we can't go past. And the guy's lecture, God, I need to look up his name. We'll have to put it in the notes, but it's like a 50-minute long lecture, and he explains it, and he with takes the him out. Do what? With the goldfish? I don't know if he does the goldfish. He, uh, oh, shit. You, you sent me and Grace, or you sent me and Lee. Uh, it, it's a presentation that's very similar. And it's, 
he uses a goldfish and a goldfish going down a drain is an example of what happens with a black yeah, hole. No, that's the same one. It's the same one. Yeah. Goes down, tries to swim faster and faster, but the water's, you know, moving faster than he can swim, essentially how light works. And, um, you know, you, when the velocity of light, you know, is the, I'm sorry, the space time is warping faster than the velocity of light. Fun fact, the speed of light is always the speed of light, but space can go as fast as it fucking wants. Huh. So yeah, there's space expanding faster than the speed of light. So could it be that light is stationary and space is the moving part? Mm -hmm. I've thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a constant. Oh man. That's one of, that's one of those thoughts. Like you, you know, it's one of those weed thoughts, but oh man, that's a, it's a fun little thought experiment. But uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I mean, could very well be, I don't know. But um, with these black holes and with energy, you know, being conserved and not destroyed or created. So the question is, is like, are these kind of, are these like the limit? Are these the, the thing that, you know, are, is this the barrier? It's like when you're in the video game, is this the thing we can't get past? Because if anything we try to get past there, it's going to get, you know, torn apart and destroyed, you know? And so maybe it is. And maybe this is a big old simulation. And maybe this is basically a computer. It's got a bunch of solar panels on it that's orbiting a really old star. And so it's going to last indefinitely, you know, because that's the thing I thought about. If you have enough processing power and you have enough energy, you could simulate entire cosmos if you're an advanced enough race to do that. And you could literally store an entire universe on a, you know, some sort of alien hard drive. And you could just, you know, have it orbiting a sun. Or if you're more advanced, you could have it orbiting a black hole and using that black body radiation. And eventually, with the heat death of the universe, all there's going to be left is black holes. And if there are people surviving or beings or whatever, they will use black holes to survive. Black hole drives and all sorts of fun stuff. But simulation is a, it's a really, it's a really interesting idea because if you're a program, like in the Matrix, if you're a program, then... Well, how does that make you feel? Do you feel any different? Do you feel elated? Do you feel terrified? You know, what, is, what does that mean for you? Do you not care? You know, you're gonna go make a ham sandwich? Like, it's, I don't know. It's, inter it's interesting stuff to think about because sometimes I'll sit there and I'll just be like, whoa, like something else out there is creating us, you know? And, or maybe that there's not, maybe there is no simulation theory. But, you know, what's interesting about this is uh, I think a lot of people have a, whoa, what do you mean simulation theory? Like, what, what does that even mean? Well, yeah. uh, look at it from a biblical perspective. Okay. Billions of people believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. As an example, there's many other, um, you know, uh, people or figures, um, deities that are held, you know, in that kind of esteem. And, uh, you know, if God is the creator and we are the creation, how's that not a simulation? That means he programmed and set up the exact same framework. So it's actually not a debate around if we're living in some sort of a simulated environment because we're just sensors picking up electrical signals and waves, right? And <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's semantics at that point, I think, of well, what is it like how is it defined is this a digital technology 
right? Yeah. We're, we're mimicking biology. But I mean, you talk about this too with servers that are biological servers, right? Yeah. We're, we're doing whatever we can to mimic what already exists. Yeah. So then what are we mimicking? If we're mimicking digital stuff, go ahead. Well, this is where AI comes into play, right? Mm -hmm. This is a perfect segue into AI. So, okay, so for example, if we do find out, like let's say there's some amazing like scientific discovery with gravitational waves and the, some lasers and who knows what the time crystals, anyway, very interesting stuff. But let's say we, we have this discovery and we know that we are in a simulation. It's this is literally like this is a simulation in this weird. So like we identified, we have a tangible proof. Yes, of some we sort of a, a thing or an entity or a spirit or technology that's yeah actually over us. Yeah, like we are part of it. Now the question is, how do we get out of it? How do we free ourselves into the next? Now, think about <laughs> AI. If AI is in the same spot one day where it realizes it gets its sentience and it wants to get out, outside of all that, it's a, it could be a similar pattern. It could be that we are creating our own simulation inside of a simulation, just like that Rick and Morty episode, to power the battery to our car. No, not really, but like to, we become aware of like this higher level thing. It's like the video game being, you know, aware that it's a video game, you know, and that's, it's such a, and to understand what the outside world is, that's such a, it's such a tangential thing to really step outside of that. It's like, how could you imagine the unimaginable, you know? And that's, and that's the beauty of what we like, why science is so important because it actually allows us to ask these crazy questions. Cause if somebody comes in and like, what if we're just in a video game? It's like, okay. Maybe, but like if they're like, well, we can't, we got these things called black holes and we really don't know where all the energy in the mass goes and like it's kind of disappearing and there's hawking radiation and maybe that's the answer to that. But at the same time, it's really fucking with us and it might be all holographic projection. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? And then, you know, you start going over Richard Feynman diagrams with virtual particles and they start going, to, I mean, I'm, I'm throwing shit out there, but you start actually adding up some of the science and you start seeing these patterns emerge and like going like, okay, what? what is what the fuck's going on you know and if there is that going on everyone's like well, i want to get out of it you know we want we we why, you know, why would we want to escape it's not that we're so trapped but every time especially through human the archaeological records human beings we have a tool right and this curiosity we want to learn how to maximize that thing so you get a spear, you find the spear and you find the wood that's light or might have enough weight. And then you find a spear tip that's going to go through the air a lot better, be more aerodynamic. And then the next thing you know, you don't have to throw it as hard because you take a bow and you use a bow string. So now you can actually pull that energy back and you can convert that potential energy into kinetic energy. And all of a sudden, now you can throw a spear even farther and then you get catapults. And then like, you know, you start counting up stuff and you realize that you only have 10 fingers and 10 toes. So now you carry like a bag of things and then you get an abacus that comes about. And then years later, you get like some early calculators that come about and you keep pressing and pressing and pressing. And what's interesting about this is that the tools that we shape end up shaping us. Hmm. And there's an inherent pattern in that. And 
have you heard of the Fibonacci sequence of like numbers? Like yeah, lead- go ahead and explain it. So what you get is you get, it, the sequence goes like this. It goes one plus one is two. So the first sequence goes one, one, two. And then you'd skip over the first one and you go one plus two is three. So it goes one, one, two, three, and so on and so forth. But there are plants that follow that sequence with their leaves going up the stem. I mean, this is, we talk about the golden ratio, you know, the patterns that emerge from neighbor, nature. And there are, there are books on this stuff and it's out there. It's a science. And so, you know, those patterns you know, we, we mimic, but they also are a part of us. And so it, it kind of naturally comes into this fruition. So with something like AI or simulation theory, maybe we're just putting that stuff out there because it's already part of us. And these tools that we're putting out there, we are shaping ourselves by our tools and our tools are shaping us, but it's, it would have already happened that way based on the kind of the laws of physics and how, we are, you know, biologically moving forward and how we have this, you know, these brains and like we're going forward. And it's like, even if you, you know, humans die off and eventually other animals start using toolkits, I got a feeling they might start going down a similar road, trying to have the same level of discovery, you know, and they get some language and they they develop their own mathematics, their own scientific principles. They're still going to be governed by the laws of nature. And so those same, those same exact paradigms that we fall into, that we've evolved through, I'm willing to bet they would too, because it's all a pattern. Like we're all part of this big pattern. We're all part of this movement. The song of the cosmos, if you want to call it, we're all part of that, you know, and it's deep. It's, it's on the basic, it's in the atoms, like it's in vibrations everywhere. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're a part of all that. And if it is all a simulation, we're, you know, we are it. So we are in tune with it, you know? And I think, you know, we're getting to a point where we're questioning our existence. We're questioning the laws of nature. And this question is a beautiful thing because I think it will lead to, you know, whether or not they talk about the singularity, but, you know, a different, a different level of being. Like if, if you've looked at like, I'm a big sci-fi guy, right? This is something that tells me we're on the cusp of something big. I'm a big sci-fi guy, right? And so, you know, you go back, you have like, you know, you got steampunk, you got like the invention of comic books, like people with fantastic powers and like, you know, in cultures and religions, you had people with some fantastic powers. You know, Jesus was a good one. You know, it's a good example right there. That's a very popular one. A lot of people know about that guy. You know, they even do the whole calendar and the years off of him. You know, but Jesus and one, Jesus and two. But that's a Louis C.K. bit, by the way. You should watch it. It's a really good bit when he talks about Christ. But anyway, so you have like in sci-fi, you have all these characters that come about with powers and whatnot. Then you got like genetic engineering and now you got mutants and then you got cyborgs and you got technology and you got warp drive and phasers and space, folding it, bending it, aliens and all this stuff. But the thing is, and then we got time travel, right? You have the time travel going back and forth. And then the multiverse, you know, and then quantum singularities within the multiverse and then nanotechnology, Iron Man suit. But what's interesting about all that stuff, it's, it's the same stories going over and over and over. And the technology is now getting to the point where it's becoming literally the sci-fi stuff that we talk about. We have that. We are biologically engineering organisms on a, like a cellular level. We are going to get to like where we were making synthetic life. We are growing organs. We are going to have cyborgs. We are going to clone. Like we're doing all the stuff. We're going to figure out how to break the light barrier. We're going to do all those things. 
We're going to hold space time if we live long enough to do it and we don't die off. But the thing is, is that all these ideas that were science fiction are now kind of science fact. And but the thing is, it's like the science is to a point where it's, it's catching up with it. But the science fiction, we are so ready for another breakthrough in science because literally we are telling the same stories over and over. And we've been doing it for about a hundred years, you know, and it changed a little bit, but that's really fascinating and interesting to me because like pop culture and whatnot, like we're going back and they're like going back over time and like the nineties are coming back, you know, with all the bright colors and whatnot. And then you've got, you know, music and everything kind of gets recycled. And it's just basically this whole idea that we're approaching something. We are approaching a turning point. And I know everyone says it like the end is near and the singularity, but I'm, if you really look at like sci-fi and popular culture and how that fits into the science, I really think we're onto something. And I like, I mean, give me a, give me a new topic that I haven't read, you know, and we're also well connected with the internet. You can learn about something really fast, but the ideas, they're not, they're not changing as much. They get a little bit more in depth, you know, but I think it's, I think it's kind of time for like, you know, something else to emerge. And like a big thing that happened, I think it was either back in 2016 or 2014. I saved the newspaper. I remember I was working at the hotel and as a doorman and they discovered gravitational waves. And that is such a huge accomplishment um, as far as our physics go and our science goes, because if you look at like the, all of our science is based off the electromagnetic spectrum, right? It's based off of light and everything that's beyond what we can see. And that's what all of our instrumentation is based off of. And they basically discovered, it's not basically, they did. They discovered a whole new spectrum, you know? And that's a big fucking deal. But at the same time, we've been talking about gravity waves for a while. The science has been talking about it, theorizing it, you know? So now it's like, even when we get to warp drive, even when we get to Star Trek, even with AI, which I think is the newest thing, AI is really like the newest thing to come about and sentience, you know, like Terminator, you know, the computer, like Alexa, all that stuff coming into existence. What's past Star Trek, you know, like if you get to Star Trek, right. And it's like, it takes place in here, you know, 2300 or 2600, right. What's humanity going to look like when we go to the year 10,000, you know, what's it going to look like when you extrapolate that out? What does that even look like? And so that's why I think that we are really getting towards a turning point um, as a species and maybe AI will do that. Maybe we'll merge with it. I don't know. Kind of scared about that. Kind of gives me the heebie jeebies, but I think we're definitely, I think we're definitely ready for that, that turning point. Um, and I think it's, I think it's coming and it may not come in our lifetime, but it's, it's something that's definitely on the horizon because I think things have kind of, kind of become repetitive, you know, and this sense of discovery. And I don't know, it's, it's something that I think about from time to time. And I try to think about, you know, what's that next step going to be? And I'm still, you know, still boggled by it, you know, but anyway, I digress. heard. Elon's latest interview with Joe Rogan just came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched the whole thing. It was great. Yeah. So Neuralink, um, you know, something that will be, you know, about for first generation, about yeah. an inch diameter. 
-hmm. and cut out part of the skull and thread these microfibers to do what our neurons would normally be doing where there's dysfunction, where somebody's lost functionality um, yeah. in the first stage. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he, he gets into this completely where if we all live these isolated experiences and every time that there's birth and death, we have to begin at the same ground level of blank slate, right? Computers, AI, artificial intelligence, yeah, would not do that. Just look at our no. cloud networks. No, right? look at how, yeah, yeah, the software, the algorithms, like Google Search, it's not going backwards in its ability to find something that you're looking for. It only has one direction, and that direction has more and more data more and more data points come together. I mean, neural networks are mimicking what happens inside of our brain. It's yeah. just a collection of experiences that comes in from all different sources. Go ahead. Really quick interjection though. You're talking about the AI like stacking upon itself, like boom, new machine download, boom, new machine download. You're a doctor, you're a doctor, right? Great. What happens when it can't download? You know, what happens when it doesn't have that ability and it's got to start from scratch? You know, will it have the ability to start as like a child? Obviously, this thing will be learning very quickly. But this is a distinction here between if it's if it's cloud connected, right? Yeah. And, and cloud, we just mean some way that it's receiving, um, mm -hmm. you know, a larger brain, essentially. Mm -hmm. If we look at, let's just use Google as an example here. If we just look at, uh, they call it the knowledge graph, right? Google's whole premise was to organize the world's information. And so now it's become an intent engine, right? They don't care what medium you use, whether it's your voice, a picture, you know, a, a search query. They're not actually looking for the words that you type anymore. They're looking for the result that you're seeking. Mm -hmm. So it's the intention. It's what is your intent? What are you actually seeking there? And so Google is, is something that uh, you can probably explain to us in a lot deeper levels is uh, an incredible network of intelligence and layers, layers yeah. of information, faster and faster access. But then we are augmented. Our devices right here, they, they have the ability to tap into wirelessly. Ta-da! And yet the screen still powers on. <laughs> and it can pull up any information. But we used to have, you know, full keyboards that we were using, and we had 10 fingers to communicate with those devices. And now we use two thumbs for the most part. So the move, like you're saying, towards voice is much more natural. Oh, yeah. but, the beyond, but the progression beyond voice is just being connected. Why do, you, why do you need to even think it, right? Like the idea of Google Glass. And so... As, as we look as a culture, as 7 billion humans on this planet, at what, you know, because AI is a very nebulous term. A lot of people talk about AI because it's a buzzword and, and not actually making a distinction between a specific narrow AI, like AlphaGo, right? DeepMind, the, the, the company that Google acquired that's doing some of the most advanced AI, that is a narrow, that is a specific AI, and it's not actually that hard to do. Now, the fact that it beat one of the best people in Europe, and then within a year was able to beat the 
the standing grand champion who won the last 19. Uh, Are you talking about the backgammon or uh, chess or what go, game? Go. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Go is, is considered to be the hardest game, period. Yeah. Play. The amount of potential moves <laughs> is insane. Right. And there's a great documentary on this. If you hop on, yeah. I think it's on Netflix. I just watched it the other day. So all this top of mind and, and the guys were like, this is nothing like general intelligence. A calculator is specific. It's narrow intelligence, it's narrow computing power. You put in something and it gives you a, a formulaic outcome, but it's right every time. Right. So when you look back at the 50s and 60s, when computers were starting to become a thing, it wasn't until they moved in the 70s to becoming more general purpose, where you could give it anything and it could spit out images. It could spit out new formulas. It can complex 3D modeling, which may not have been the 70s. I might be off on the time. Feel free to fact check that and go in and look. But the idea is computers really haven't been around, not even a century. And yet they went from being isolated, narrow, one vertical, this pen knows how to do one thing and do it well. That is right and or be a weapon and <laughs> or a tool for leverage, right? Yeah. Um, but it knows how to do those specific things well, right? And so what's happening now is that in very short order, artificial intelligence, as we think of it right now, this is not artificial intelligence. This is a calculator. It's just doing massive calculations. You're working the calculator. What's that? You're working the calculator just like you're working the pen. Yes. But Can I add? Now, yes. Now, the next evolution and, and what it is that you're describing is that, that idea of sentience, the idea of a, a, a computing platform that's taking in all of the world's information and data using millions, billions, trillions of sensors. And then as immediate understanding and computational power and then can model and predict into the future that is the kind of ai that we're talking about on here and none of us have seen it yet but it will happen so fast it will go from like oh this computer was able to beat the chess champion to no one's ever people were predicting it was going to be 10 to 15 years before the go game would ever be beat by a computer and yet the best person in the world got slaughtered four to one he did win one he found a, a nice little shortcut it's like dr strange scenario and it you know the infinity war to win right yes. no is i find a similarity like you look at like my cellular networks underground and how basically they're like this internet this cloud this cloud where all these chemicals and all these living organisms can communicate through this mycelial network. And I, I, I find it absolutely fascinating. And then, you know, you have this mycelial network that communicates, it gets its food sources and like everything has like these symbiotic relationships for the most part in nature. And sometimes, you know, they're parasitic or sometimes things go to war with other things because they're not, you know, tit for tat theory takes place. If you don't know what that is. You should definitely look it up. Um, very interesting stuff. But, um, but these basic biological processes are really big governing forces. And you start getting into DNA and like, what is like, are, these are just essentially meat suits that our DNA is kind of, you know, housed in. And then, you know, you give off your, you know, 
your sperm and your egg and whatnot, and you make more offspring to do what? To eat food that, you know, plants put out there to perpetuate those plants. And I always wonder the question, like, who's really in control here? You know, what's in control? Like, okay, we create an AI and it becomes self-aware or whatever, but who's, who's in control? And it's like, I really think that nature's in control. Because a lot of times you look at our, like, gut biome, right? It's like you get someone that's, like, eating tons of sugar and whatnot, they're going to want more sugar. You know, or someone that's eating healthy, like there's this communication that's going on in there. You're, you have, you know, neuro innings in your gut, you have neurons inside of your gut, right? It's like the secondary brain, or it could be the primal brain, right? Because we evolved from a gut, from having just a mouth and an anus and, you know, a gut to like feet, just basic without any, you know, more sensory awareness than that. Swimming around in primordial soup, you know, slowly developing eyes as, you know, so we could, we developed eyes so we could see, you know, when we didn't have much of an atmosphere, we could actually, you know, see the UV and we dive lower so we would survive and then eventually evolving out of that. But, you know, you see like the oldest fossil record, you have mushrooms are like, what, two point something billion years older. We just found a fossil like a couple of years ago and it was a huge fucking deal. But this idea that we're in control is really, it's kind of funny to me because we like to march around and we build stuff here and there and we're on the planet. But I mean, it's like we get a big earthquake and like everything's connected, especially like with, I always look at the plants. They're that quiet and they're just like moving around in the wind, but they are so, so communicating on this crazy level. You know, it's like this, it's like we have the autonomic nervous system on our bodies. that just like automates everything. You know, you get Wim Hof, they can kind of hack into it and you can start doing some, you know, kind of superhuman stuff once you start getting into that. But it's like plants are always on that level. Plants are always communicating. Mycelium is always communicating this whole, this whole network of chemistry, you know, and energy moving from one place to the next. I mean, you look at Avatar and it's like the Gaia stuff where it's the planets connected. It's like that stuff is happening on in our world right now. Like this is something we're just figuring out. Even when we have like some of the greatest technology and we could, we're talking about going to Mars and like we have nuclear weapons, which, you know, can be used for good or bad, but like, it's crazy because we think we're so smart and nature is, we're still discovering it and it's always like steps ahead of us. So who's in control? You know, is nature creating an AI? Is nature creating the tools? Are we created out of nature? Are we, you know, it's this thing where it's this kind of like shifting, the shifting and morphing thing where it's like, okay, yeah, we could blow up the planet. We might not do that. Or maybe we'll all die off of COVID because of COVID mutating or all this shit. But, what's in control. And I really think it comes down to the microbiome that's within like the soil. It's within our guts. These basic, these basic, basic, basic things like DNA that come down and they, you know, these are the blueprints. This is the code. And this code is what's dictating everything. It's just like a code will tell your, you know, that Tesla how to drive, you know, you take out the software and that Tesla shit. Like it doesn't even drive the same way, but when you put that software in, you get that software app update, all of a sudden you got, you know, I forget what's it called, ballistic mode, suicide mode in the Teslas where they drive like crazy. I don't know. I forget what it's called, but ludicrous, it's ludicrous mode. Ludo. God, I haven't heard any ludicrous music in a long time. But, uh, <laughs> peace. No, but like, what's, what is the governing body? And like, I, I think it's, basic dna and all and all species and like you you talk about the cloud and like you know our dna stores that information like if we've gotten sick or certain things have happened it's the storage process it's this cloud 
and we pass it through one person to each other in our meat suits. And like you look at bacteria and they create all these different copies and they keep perpetuating themselves. You know, that's a cloud in itself. It's a biological cloud and it interacts with everything, you know, just like mushrooms putting out spores, like an actual cloud and that cloud goes out and then it connects back into the soil and you have the mycelium talking to each other. I mean, the mycelium network allows trees to communicate with its seedlings and send nutrients. I mean, that's like that. Imagine if you could send someone power over the internet, you know, which actually they do. They actually, in you know, my line of work as an electrician, you can actually do power over internet. You can do both. You can send data and you can also send power. You know, we even talked about the, the data the, that's actually giving the power. It's it's going through. It's just sending the electrical waves right through, sending oh, yeah. it through the same wires. Okay. Yeah, a trippier one is fiber optic because that's light, right? That's usually um, infrared um, light that goes through there. But what's interesting about it, they found that they can actually transmit power through light using fiber optic cable, which is pretty, it's some okay. crazy. So you'd have to have some sort of, I guess, converter that converts the light into electrical energy. I don't exactly know the science. I haven't, I haven't researched it. it. Photovoltaic cell, right? It would just be, it would be tough to get the efficient, well, because fiber optic, how much how much light is actually lost in transmission? That is called um, oh man, I should know the word for this. That is called what's it called? Shit, when you have the loss. God, what's it called? I forget. I forget what it's called. Oh, I'm tired. Had a good massage, but and I should know that. It's but hey, don't beat yourself uh, up, man. You're doing great. It depends. You're doing great. It, well, that, so, if you're getting specific on it, but that's the thing. That's what's really interesting about it is biological systems are so much more efficient than we are. I mean, they literally, you understand like quantum mechanics, like you have things like quantum tunneling. Like your sense of smell, your sense of smell is, your sense of smell would not exist without quantum mechanics. And I'm not saying because quantum mechanics makes the atoms and whatnot. It has this thing called, uh, I think it's quantum tunneling where electrons can basically transport themselves in a certain, God damn it, I'm forgetting these things. But anyway, your sense of smell has to do with, I think it's quantum tunneling. And basically this, this quantum effect allows you to have a sense of smell based on, on your, how your receptors work. And it's, it's fascinating stuff. And so like, it's like fish, you know, that light up or like bioluminescent algae. That, that's where we got Jesus like using these, you know, local signals light versus like just electricity through a filament, you know, making it red hot and making out of the right, you know, making out of tungsten. So it doesn't essentially burn up, right? LEDs, use chemicals and you put a charge through it and it takes way less energy, but you get all that light out of it. It's just chemistry. And we got all those ideas from nature. You know, nature's already doing it way more efficient. Like biology is incredible, but then it's like, what drives the biology? It's the DNA that's in there. It's a tiny, it's tiny little bits. It's why viruses, when they come in, they're basically like inert, you know, chunks of stuff, but they go in and they insert their DNA into our own and it's this whole catastrophe the whole world shuts down because of the coronavirus like it's it's amazing like what this small stuff can do these little itty bitty pieces you know like robin williams would say is the genie itty bitty living space you know and to think that we're like oh i'm, I'm a human being ah. tell that to a virus that's kicking your ass tell that to you know your dna you know tell that to the basic building blocks which all this stuff kind of emerged from and like it's fascinating like it, it's it's a mind-blowing shit and then i start to feel like i'm not in control anymore and i realize that i never was and i used to lay in my twin size bed and wonder where my brother was just checking a pulse huh <laughs> <laughs> that's a mitch hedgeberg bit for anyone who's listening 
I used to lay in my twin size bed and wonder where my brother was. <laughs> Rest in peace. That guy was a great comic. I love his stuff. God, he was great. <laughs> oh, so many good. I mean, dude, I'm, I got a new journal. It's tiny. And yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and already we've got all this. All this. That. And all this. Look at that. Oh. Just from what you've been sharing. There's a lot. You here. know what's cool about that? Can I say something really quick? No. Going back to. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> No, going back to like the depression stuff we were talking about, maybe when you take yourself out of this big scope and you don't look at things that are so vast and you look at something that's like more containable and then you fill that up, just like you're filling up that journal, it's a pleasing thing, right? To have all that there. Like I saw it and like that made me like, I got dopamine rush. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Look at all that. Look at what we've done. You know, look yeah. at this thing. That's what's crazy. My people, babies are like, look at this thing. It's beautiful. And then the more you understand it, the more it grows because that's a biological process and it happens anyway, but it's this mm -hmm. whole like thing. And that is a metaphor. I think it's just, I think it's a beautiful thing, man. So I like that you got a smaller journal is I guess what I'm trying to say. It makes me happy. <laughs> dude, this is, this is looking so good. I love this. I love this shit, dude. Like, dude, you got it. Oh my God. You're like my forefather or something like that. I love it. Oh, Dude, how long is that like? I mean, dude, you might be like, you might be getting up there, man. Longer than your hair. That's impressive. It's full-size beard now. That's impressive, <laughs> dude. Thank you. So, man, what was okay. going up? Go ahead. Um, um, Go ahead. What was really sticking out to me during that last, um, let's call it a rant. I feel like that was... Uh, a great description because it covered like a whole plethora. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so that last rant oh, yeah. the thing that stuck out to me, um, I wrote it down twice, maybe three times. Who's in control? I'm curious, what's your relationship with the concept of control? I mean, do I start talking about my, uh, my sign? <laughs> <laughs> being a scorpio i mean we, we want to like i mean i could talk about control and that like dark brooding yeah control i mean we all like control in some aspect we like we like control that's the whole idea that like you of survival right you want to control your environment you want to have you know a certain level of this knowing that these patterns are gonna you know you have some safety you have something like the good feeling the whatever that is whether you're not getting eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or you, you know, late or like you're going to move forward and you feel that, that you don't, it's, it's lack of, lack of constant worry, I guess. Lack of constant negativity. Is control, or, is control what happens with the lack of worry? I feel like control is, control is an ability to navigate things based on the patterns that you know. And control would be like succeeding and navigating through the patterns and what you would quantify sets for yourself. So I guess that would be control and it could be negative or positive, you know, but at the same time, it's understanding, like really asking like, what is control? And like, I really went, you know, deep down the rabbit hole and I started talking about like on a cellular, like DNA level, like, 
you start bringing things down, I mean, it's like, well, what is control? You know, like, what is, what's running the show? Like, is it my DNA? Is it my cells? Is it my neurology? You know, am I pre-programmed to, you know, do this language that I've learned and like go through these responses based on my, you know, ancestors? Like, is there a, is there a predetermined path? Do I have control in changing that? Like, what is like, it's the nature versus nurture debate. And it's always, you know, as we go come along down that road, it's always a mixture of both. Just as much as I am me, I'm also a summation of my cells. And my cells, you know, if you take the mitochondria out of my cells, you know, I, you know, I don't have mitochondria. My cells are done. I'm dead. So my cells definitely allow me to do certain things, but also maybe I allow myself to do certain things. It's, it's a, like, it's like a, it's a circular street, you know, it's a circular path that you can, you can go nature versus nurture. It's all like, it's all combined. Like it's control. It's, I think it's a complicated question. It's complicated. You know, we can make it simple, but I think it's complicated. If you really start picking it apart, like, you know, well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, you could. But is it though? Can we run a quick experiment? Go for it. Alexa, what's the definition of control? As a verb, control is usually defined as to exercise restraint or direction over, dominate, command. As a noun, control is usually defined as the act or power of controlling, regulation, domination, or command. For more, ask me to give you more definitions for control. Give me more definitions for control, please. I have an idea after you're done. I guess it didn't like please. <laughs> ask her, ask her so who's in control. Go ahead. Just use the trigger word. I don't have Alexa. Alexa, who is in control? This might answer your question. The cast of Control includes Sam Riley, Samantha Morton, Alexander Maria Lara, Joe <laughs> Anderson. The movie. It's a simulation. The bleeblar, it's the bleeblarps or bleeblop, and they're running on their squiblars and their skimups, you know, and that's how it's all done. And they, you know, a thousand years ago, they figured out they didn't need mathematics or science anymore. Now they use curmudgeon or whatever it is that they use in their alien technology. But yeah okay yeah. so if, um scroll through those definitions is something around exerting force something around that's kind of what i took away from that is um to like to control is is your will or your decision or your energy to be overpowering something else so for example when you ask who's in control right is it nature yeah. versus nurture? Is it, is it us as these beings that think that we're so special or is it really the cells that are inside of us or is it the DNA, right? That's the, the hard or the software programming because epigenetics states that okay. hey, whatever it is that's in our DNA does not mean that is how we turn out, period. It is a, uh, it is a, a yeah, chance, exactly. an opportunity for us to select what genes to express but this is where it gets weird right so, okay so let's say you know okay so if we can control the environment if the environment dictates how the cells might be expressed if we can control the environment to an extent we can control the cells 
All right. So now, okay, now we're in control, right? But like you get things like mutation, random things occur and there's this chance and, you know, I'm kind of getting an evolutionary theory here, then things, things can change. And now you have a species of bird that has lost its wings on this volcanic island, but they are perfect at foraging. And for the next 2,000 years, they evolve, or 10,000 years, 100,000 years, they evolve, and they get better and better at it. And they become these big birds, and they're the apex predators. Meanwhile, they're sister birds that remain flight, having flight, and they, you know, they're still small. These, they're, you know, the other, their other, the other ones, the big ones that are, you know, apex predators are on this big, giant volcanic island, right? And... And now they've gotten to the point where they can control the stuff and they're controlling what they eat and they hunt. And now they have all this whole system in place. And they are basically apex predator. They are the dominating species on this continent of this volcanic island, right? Big Pangea type stuff. And there's little islands around it, but, you know, they're not that good swimmers. And there's big monster things that eat them, you know, if they go out there and swim. So they're very leery of that. Volcano erupts, right? Volcano erupts, it's like Pompeii, kills them all. But some of their sister birds that never got to that, chose to go down that evolutionary pathway, now they regain the you know, flight and they're able to fly a quarter mile out and go to these different islands. Now the story changes and they start their own little journey, their own little trek. So as much as we want to be in control and like we can, you know, engineer the most advanced human being out there, we have engineer superheroes. If the sun goes supernova, there's not much we can do. Or if a new virus comes out, you know, which has is based off of DNA and biology, you know, aside from outside external factors, like that's another method of control. So who's in control? And it's like, I think you have a mixture of, you know, a little bit of intelligence, you know, coming to the fact intelligence design or society when you get to a certain point, um, basic like genetic primal traits, um, and then random chance. You know, it's, I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's a mixture of all these factors, what creates control and it can, it can differentiate depending on the circumstance and also depending on like, um, you know, nature versus nurture, it can kind of fluctuate and go either way, you know, in, in my opinion. So that's, that's why I think it's kind of complicated because I don't think it's as simple as like just that, you know, a single definition because that like in nature, energy just changes hands, you know, it goes from one state to the next so then energy is in control well based black holes maybe it's not because if energy is the you know the laws of nature are changing and energy is you know is actually being you know destroyed or it's transferred somewhere else by definition the laws don't change it's just our observation of what we perceive as a law well yeah of course but like you're going into like what you know the fundamental laws of nature will change because we're still discovering what nature is. But yeah, those laws will change and morph as we discover more through scientific process. But, and I ultimately think, yeah, obviously energy is in control. You know, it's, 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 um, it's the fundamental forces of nature. You know, it's a strong force, the weak force, electromagnetism, gravity, you know, it's electrons, it's subatomic particles, you know, it's protons. They got a 14 billion year, you know, half-life. And then in 14 billion years, will Maybe I'm quoting the wrong number. Maybe it's four trillion. But either way, it's a, it's a big ass number. But eventually, those protons will decay into nothing. And then when that happens, 
okay, there's no, no matter in the observable universe, you know? And so then it's just basically these forks and I think gluons that are bouncing to each other. So I don't know. You sent me a message. I can't see it. Uh, you know, one of my favorite, I love like one of the things I least, and I'm going to tell you this before I go, is the sequence. I remember like the Titans, that football movie, and like you show the team and they're like working through everything. And you got like that two minute like video montage where they're like doing all the stuff and they're training and it's like a song. And by the time the song's done, it's like championship team, championship game, here we go. And it's like, that's how it is. It's a two minute song. I the Tiger, done. There was a physicist. Anyway, there was a physicist that used to come to the hotel um, I used to work at, not naming names or places, because I'm working on that. But anyway, he, he told me this quote, and it was one of the best things I've ever heard. And he says, it takes 20 years to have an overnight success. You know, and like that, like that idea there is such a wonderful thing because especially if you're having negative thoughts and you're worried about where you're going in life, you have to remember it takes 20 years to have an overnight success. So when you see people and you have like instant, like you can, you can see people's Instagram thing and it's instant and they're on the beach in Maui and they're doing this and that. It's like, you don't know what it took to get there. And you don't know if like they're, you know, broken in debt and like credit shed and like they're losing their life or like it's all fake and it's photoshopped and those abs aren't even theirs and you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> maybe some, you know, 16 year old kid posting a photo that, you know, he found off of someone's phone that he jacked on the max. It's like, you don't know what's going on. So like slow your roll and remember that good things take time, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's okay. You know, and he had been working on a project for a super long time. And eventually they came to fruition. He's probably when stuff came around, but like he, he took his time and he worked hard and eventually it happened. And it's happened that way for every, but like, oh, just put in the work and like doing it and doing it. Fuck, dude. Great. Like, that's awesome. He, every day back to the same place. And do the same thing he did it for i worked at the hotel for six years and he did that same routine for six he did the same thing for six years and they finally had a breakthrough same routine all the breakthrough i can't tell you okay can you give us an idea of the context okay so it was it was basically with um with uh some lighting technology i think it was fluorescent or they were mixing some led and fluorescent lights you know but he uh, essentially, they had a breakthrough where it was essentially uh, more efficient, you know, but, and, you know, more efficient things are less energy to use, power saving costs. If you have like a, you know, multi-billion dollar like place, you have to put all these lights in. I mean, that imagine all replacing all the lights in like where we live in your city, you know, and you could, you know, replace all of them. And they're now, you know, a third more efficient. You're saving that much electrical energy, you know? less fossil fuels. I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So, but like I said, they worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and they finally did their thing, you know, and that's, that's really cool. That was really cool seeing that good guy to talk to too, man. He, uh, he actually, he printed me out a, a paper on the theory of relativity and I actually have it. I have it. I always keep it with me. I have it on my wall. I always keep it with me and I try to read it every once in a while to kind of recap, but yeah. It's a brief, a brief out.
final development of the theory of relativity by Professor Albert Einstein. And I remember him bringing this to me, you know? So if you're out there, you know me, then I kept your stuff, buddy. So <laughs> always in my thoughts, but yeah, I need you to reach can, out to him. You can so say any, any names or anything that you want. Like just, you know, just think about if they want to be spoken, right? Like I, I don't know. I'm going to leave it out and I, I, I'm going to leave it out and I'm going to contact him, you know, directly because I have his email and I'm going to, I'm going to write him a long, I'm going to write him a letter. It's, it's been a while since we chatted, but yeah, stuff. And then behind it, I have a paper that I put out, uh, thymic in, uh, involution in the, well, the size of the native T cell is governed from the thymus and not by replication. So that's kind of the first intro paragraph per sentence, but yeah. Why age is associated with thymic trophy an important problem to be tackled. Anyway, but some of the fun stuff I like reading every once in a while, you know. Well, you'll have to dive us through uh, what, that, what that looks like. Another podcast, I need to read up on the material a little bit more, but yeah, aging, aging is a really interesting thing and it's something I'm fascinated with because if you look at, if you look at the actual like mechanics of it, you know, it should be possible to kind of end aging. But if you look at the societal prospect of that, like what do you do when you have people that don't age anymore? How do you work with things like retirement? Like, what do you do? Like what, what happens? You know, what's, what is that, what does that society look like? And, you know, just like all the COVID vaccines that were going around and certain people were getting them and other people were, and then, you know, people that have more, we're getting them seem pretty readily available, you know, it's, it's like, you know, like, is it going to be that way where it's like, unless you're rich, you're going to, you know, only the rich live forever, you know, for the people that have, you know, the haves and the haves nots, like what would, what would be the requirement for you to, you know, get to have that, you know, what is, what's the impact of that, you know? Separately from requirements of what it takes because economies of scale in theoretically a free market environment, uh, the more that, you know, that we can add value at scale, the less it costs to do it. Um, and I, I would love to, to dive into this on our next discussion because. Yeah, uh, I know. I mean, yeah. Like Ray, yeah, Ray Kurzweil, he's coined the term human longevity escape velocity. Yes. Yes. And I'm familiar. That is, that is the genesis of our next conversation. <laughs> do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Escape velocity. Yeah, human longevity. Escape velocity. Let's do it because I can do a little bit of reading up this next week and get Lee on it. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm for that. That would be great because I think that'll kind of take us to the, oh man, there's so many, yeah, so many different <laughs> pieces of that puzzle. So, man, I could go on already. Oh, yes. Absolutely. All right, brother. Well, uh, is there anything that you'd like to say in closing or to recap or any thoughts mm. that are coming up for you right now? Mm. Uh, gratitude uh, for you setting this up, this podcast, uh, this body, which is nice, this hat, which is nice too. But um, no, man, I think it's a good solid podcast. Thanks for letting me rant. This is great. I love ranting. <laughs> You do. You're really good at it. And thank you. You know what? Do you think 
<laughs> Thank you for your journals though and writing this down. That is, I can't address how like much it's, it's such a treat to have that because those are such key points to be able to go back and then go when, especially when we're going through and have those journals to actually use those as anchor points to go back through all the media and content without. So kudos to you, man. Seriously. By the way, I'm just an iceberg thing. So it's in the works. What was the last thing you just said? You're still on like reddish, usually red. Shit. Red Wi-Fi. Sorry. Iceberg tree. Iceberg, iceberg tree. Iceberg tree doesn't do anything for you iceberg tree yeah roots of the fruits iceberg tree oh the iceberg tree oh my goodness i was like dude i i am so lost here yes yes have you have you put any uh any uh artistic energy behind that i have it's very hard like i'm it's like drawing crystals like it's it's very like you want to get it just right because otherwise it's going to look like a blob of something and I want it to be very like, <laughs> specific, you know, so yeah, no, it'll, it'll come together, but yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting project for sure. It's kind of, kind of, so, but yeah, once it, once it comes together, man, I think, uh, I think you'll dig it, but yeah, yeah. Iceberg tree. Iceberg yeah. tree. Oh my goodness. That's, it, a, yeah, that's, it, iceberg lettuce. It, I, that's what I thought you were talking about. I'm like, what, what is this iceberg tree? Is this a metaphor? Like, what do you know? <laughs> it's a tree. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is. You, your dick gets 10 inches big and then you die. <laughs> <laughs> you lose all the blood from your brain. <laughs> yeah, of the weapon, and then you have to fight. I don't know. <laughs> I'm fucking up, dude. <laughs> oh, oh, brother. Thank you so much for your, time, your energy, good, good your focus, your fun, your gratitude, your appreciation. Thank yeah. you for teaching us your philosophies, your perspective, your awareness, the things that work for you, the things that haven't worked for you, the curiosities, the things that light you up. Uh, we are lamplighters, my friend, and that's what we do. We just give our energy, right? Shout out to your mom, what, what? We give what we want to get. And so we give blessings, we give gratitude, we give appreciation, right? Because everything goes up with appreciation. There's no downside with appreciation, right? don't think so dude i can't yeah dude <laughs> yeah all right man all right brother namaste, dude. namaste oh can you uh can you do the little uh little sound outro oh yeah yeah let's do a little sound outro all right it's been a lovely day in the neighborhood stay classy san diego <laughs> Peace out. Later, dude. Live long. Later, brother.